0: Don't panic, this will not go pear shaped. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hi, love. I hope you are feeling calm because we're talking anxiety. Anxiety. We're talking anxiety. When your body does not rock, it kind of sucks, whether it's in your head or your stomach or wherever you feel it. And guess what? While I was supposed to have recorded this episode already, my schedule changed, and then I had serious anxiety for the first time in a long time over the weekend. So thank you to the universe. I am freshly primed to talk about this topic. What a silver lining. So what do we mean by anxiety? For some of you, this is anxiety attacks where I'm told you feel like you're going to die, like you're having a heart attack. I don't experience that specifically, but today is for you. For others, it's high-functioning anxiety, a phrase I didn't know described me until I read an article maybe four years ago where someone else described it for herself and I thought, whoa, that's me. Hopefully, today might be an aha moment for someone else or a rush of empathy as you better understand someone in your life who struggles with anxiety. And for some of you, there's worry, fear, concern throughout your day. Am I going to get a mean text? Is someone upset with me at work? Am I not going to be able to finish this project that I'm working on? I wouldn't say you should describe yourself as having anxiety, but nonetheless, everyone has some anxious or worried thoughts. And today will help you too from crippling to simply downright draining we all know we could feel more joy and peace if we could quiet this anxiety in our minds how can i overcome anxiety is a question i get a lot on instagram and such and i found there are two categories of the question that i get and you can think about which is more your challenge at present So picture a chart with four squares and see which two you're in. The first two boxes in the top row are, number one, some people mean more the feeling, physiologically what happens in your body. Your stomach tightens, your pulse quickens. Sometimes it's not even from anything you can pinpoint. You just feel anxious without provocation. And number two, for other people, they mean more mentally, living in fear. How do you get past the fear of rejection, fear of failure? The first group asks, how can I physically feel more peaceful in my gut? And the latter group asks, how can I feel more confident in my mind? So you have more feeling and body or thinking and mind. And we can end up in either place for two reasons, which, again, consider which is more often your challenge these days. So there's two boxes in the lower row. It can come from, number one, taking on too much, having too much on our plate, Or number two, being paralyzed in decision making, lack of making a choice. I'm in a panic because I'm trying to do all the things, or I'm in a panic and depressed because I'm doing nothing. Whether I'm feeling anxious in my gut or fearful in my mind, it could be because I'm doing so much, running so fast, I'm overwhelmed. Or it could be because I'm not doing what I know I should. I'm ignoring, I'm not getting to the bottom of why I feel this way. So the bottom two squares are either too much or too little. I am much more the feeling than thinking. And I'm clearly not a trained clinician, but based just on my experience and listening to my friends and followers, I would say the mental part is more about confidence and fear than anxiety. How do I get the confidence to, the courage to, get over the fear of, We'll talk a bit more about that in the next episode, but I would say that's not as much what most of us mean when we say we suffer from anxiety. I'd say that's more the physical feelings. So here's what that feels like for me in case these sound familiar or so you can better understand a friend who suffers from anxiety. Primarily, it's in my body. My pulse can go from zero to 60 in a second. I can go to instant fight or flight panic mode. And for me, instead of the retreating, the freezing, the flight, I want to fight. I want to swing and punch verbally and emotionally. My internal motor goes so fast. It used to be a struggle with my team back when I was in the thick of this that I couldn't talk as fast as my mind would go. I especially couldn't type if I was on uh, Slack, our messenger system, as fast as my mind was going. And I certainly can't type as fast as just two thumbs if I am on my phone. So it would even heighten my anxiety more that it feels like we're in this fire, this panic thing is happening, and I can't get my body, my mouth, and my fingers to go as fast as my brain is to actually get help and try to solve whatever is causing me anxious, causing me anxiety. My throat gets tight. We do webinars for our company, and those historically were a super stressful time and season and day, and my throat would be aching during those days. I'd be afraid that I was going to lose my voice. I was about to go hire a vocal coach to work with someone, when thankfully I realized it's Because I was just shallow breathing, which is, you know, whenever you're, if you're hyperventilating, people say, take a deep breath, take a deep breath. It's because we immediately tried to uh, breathe from our chest instead of deep down in our stomach. So simply by putting a hand on my stomach and reminding myself to belly breathe, I would take that tightness out of my throat. My hands get cold. feels like the blood is draining, which maybe it is. Maybe it's running someplace else in my body to try to help me. When I go into that fight or flight, I've heard others describe it as a tightness in their chest or breaking out into a sweat. And these are the things for me that come when there is a strong, clear trigger. Something just happened, and in an instant, my body is in panic. But last weekend, for the first time in I don't know how long, I had anxiety and I didn't know why. And that for me is more an anxious stomach. I feel nervous. My stomach feels heavy. It feels like there's butterflies made of steel or ceramic. It's this feeling of foreboding. And it sneaks up and then, man, it feels like it is stuck in there and it is hard to shake. It can take me hours to come down from that quick instant hit and days for that foreboding feeling to pass. With the instant hits, I'll often have a regret hangover. Like, who was that person? It feels like I didn't have control over or choice over my reactions, my emotions, what I was thinking and saying. And with the slower ones, it feels like something has taken up residence in my stomach that isn't me and I can't move it out. So either way, there's a feeling of a lack of control in my body. I remember being in an Uber years ago when I was at the height of this and saying to a friend, are we going fast? She said, no. I said, okay, I didn't think so because we're on the freeway. It seems like we're going the same same pace as everyone else. But for my body right now, it feels like we're on a roller coaster. I'm feeling the same anxiety as if you got in a car with a dangerous driver and they were just flying down the freeway. I also remember being in Santa Fe, New Mexico on a retreat with some business girlfriends and had that same feeling. I looked around and I knew logically there's no reason we would be speeding. We're not late. We're on a small country road. And yet I felt like I was on a roller coaster as we were flying around curves and going up and down. It would intensify the turbulence on an airplane. Turbulence is never fun, but I would be aware... This is normal turbulence, and again, I feel like I'm on a roller coaster, which I should point out, by the way, I hate roller coasters, so that is not a fun feeling, and that's further uh, explanation of how I just felt like I wasn't in control of my body, that my body would feel like it was on a roller coaster even when I was in a normal car or an airplane ride, and then that instant hit it leads to a PTSD where suddenly I'm jumping at any little thing going forward. It becomes this vicious cycle. When I was at my most anxious for a few years, I was just so jumpy and triggered all the time. Because once it happens, you're afraid it's going to happen again. You have less cushion and you have more reserve and you're even more quickly triggered. It also shows up in my mind. My mind goes so fast. It is just whirling. And I already have a pretty quick and overactive mind. But this can be for minutes or hours when that quick hit happens. Or it can be a season, a lifestyle for weeks and months if it's because of something bigger that's happening in my life. Like I'm just living full time with a brain that is sprinting and therefore a body that is totally exhausted. I will have trouble falling asleep, feeling like my mind is going so fast, keeping me awake, or there's just that sad anxiety from the foreboding feeling that I can't shake. Sometimes I'd lay down at night and have that feeling like my body was in a fast car, even though I wasn't moving at all. I can't always stay awake. It will I'll wake up in the middle of the night feeling like there's a monkey that's been running around in my brain, or I'll wake up having anxiety dreams related or unrelated to what's going on. At its best, it feels like having hiccups all day. Annoying and draining. And at its worst, it feels like I just found out someone died. Total debilitating dread and horror. Not sure how I'll keep going. Mostly, it just makes me feel ashamed. I don't like who I am. I feel broken and like I'm not a good person, or I'm being dramatic, or ungrateful, or immature. It's definitely not something that I give myself grace around. It is for sure, been a source of shame and failure. So, how have I healed my anxiety? Well, I guess first off, let's talk about the word healed or healing in broad strokes. I became more aware of and articulate about my anxiety around 2015, about four years ago. And I worked really hard the next two years on it, culminating in a sabbatical where I went to Europe for six weeks. Didn't get back on the plane and stayed for four months. And about a month after I came home, I was on my couch and something happened that should normally have wildly triggered my anxiety. We were hiring our first full-time employee in person in our brand new office that we'd gotten. We were hiring a business manager. We'd gone through all these rounds of interviews. We'd found our girl. We were so excited. She was the right one. We made her the offer. And then she ghosted us. She didn't get back, and she wasn't signing the contract, and she wasn't replying. And I believe it was on a Saturday when she was supposed to start on Monday that we finally heard back she had taken another job. And I'm supposed to have this person starting on Monday. We've got this whole new season coming, and I don't have any employee. This is exactly the kind of thing that would have sent me over the edge. My team, people quitting, anything related to that was one of my major sources of anxiety as an entrepreneur. And I remember being on the phone with my friend Anne and saying, I wonder if this is what it feels like to be on Xanax. Like, I I feel so out of my body. I'm so weirded out by how calm I feel. It almost feels like I took some substance that I didn't. And I felt like I had healed my anxiety. I did a Facebook Live around that time on how I healed my anxiety. Well, fast forward two years, and I don't think that's necessarily a thing anymore. I don't think it's helpful, the idea that there's an end. That we were broken and now we're healed. I have absolutely lessened my anxiety. I've grown stronger, more peaceful, more calm, healthier. I have grown so much healthier. And when a bunch of major life stuff happened to me about six or nine months ago, I was so overcome by anxiety I could barely get out of bed and Jeremy felt like he shouldn't leave me to go to work. But then I did a new level of growth and healing over the months after that. And now I'm absolutely healthier than ever. And I was super anxious on Sunday night and Monday morning, and I couldn't explain why. So I think for all of us, it's imperative to seek healing, to not settle, to believe healing is possible, and also embrace lifelong healing and growth, not have the false expectation that we're going to fix ourselves and be done. And also when it comes to our healing, I think we need to explore how long this has been going on for and where it came from. I got to thinking about the fact that this wasn't present for me in my musical theater career, my last career before entrepreneurship. Even though that was a stressful, competitive industry, tons of pressure-filled big moments and rejection, it really started for me a bit into being an entrepreneur. However, there were elements of this anxiety earlier. I remember my freshman college boyfriend saying, you can go from zero to 60 in an instant. So I knew I struggled with emotions, anger, was easily frustrated, but I still don't feel like I was overall anxious like I experienced it in the past few years. And certainly at the time, I never remember anyone talking about anxiety. I don't think it would have resonated with me, though, even if they did. And then recently, through some incredible therapy that I'll talk more about, I realized it actually goes back to my childhood. And it's not that I uncovered some dark, repressed memory where I realized I was abused. I didn't go through what I would call capital T trauma. But I'm coming to believe that we've all gone through what I call lower T trauma in our childhood that makes us timid or anxious or reckless. That's a whole other pod episode. But likely we didn't get this way just because of the stressful job or the divorce or whatever we've been going through lately But it's built upon our stories and beliefs that we've had since we were little. Meaning we have years of rewiring. This isn't just about meditating five minutes a day and we'll be a more calm human and healed. This is a complex journey. And I may be a nerd. I know we love a quick fix. And I do as well. But now that I've seen such progress, I'm kind of addicted to learning more and uncovering more. And I hope you are or will be too. Having said that, here's a laundry list of things I did to help heal my anxiety over the last four years and on through this weekend. Back to our four squares chart. In the top row, we had feeling and body or thinking and mind. And on the bottom row, too much or too little. So I am feeling and body and almost always too much. So you'll see that's where most of my advice and experience is coming from. But this past weekend, it was too little. So I'll explain that as well. And I've put all of this together in a download for you. If you're like me, you would want to pause and take notes during this episode, but stay focused on whatever it is you're doing, be present, listen. And then I have put all of this into a download that you can print, you can stick it on your fridge or tuck it inside a journal and use it for inspiration to give you ideas of what you might try or explore next and to track your own growth. For me, these kinds of things I've been doing for the last four years. So you want to see your healing along the way, celebrate it. Really be aware of it as it's happening so that then you can share what you have learned with others, which I'm able to do because I paid attention along the way and shared as I was going through it, which really helped me remember what I had done and what had worked. So I found that these things fell into three different categories, life, body, and mind. So starting off with life, I did less in a week, a month a quarter, a year. One of my favorite books is called Essentialism. I highly recommend it. That's a whole nother pod for how obsessed I am with that concept. But it is, in essence, the disciplined pursuit of less but better. And I am a huge fan of how powerful that is in our life. I see this in other friends where they are booked every night of the week with good things, commitments at church and volunteering They're working until 2 a.m. night after night, not talking to their boss about boundaries or workload or expectations or priorities. And they're wondering why they're sprinting along, but it's because their life is so full. And I slowed down my life and I keep slowing it down. I lowered my expectations of what I was going to accomplish in a day, a week, a month, a quarter, a year. We'll talk a bit more about this in episode four on how I organize my day to get more done. But I continue to hack away at this. And the thing about essentialism is the more you become an essentialist, the more you realize you need to become an essentialist. It's like an onion. The more and more you peel back, you realize still how cluttered our life is. Anxiety is rampant in America. What is the greatest thing that's changed in our daily lives since our grandparents? how much we do, how much we can do, how much we feel the need to do. We have so many opportunities and thus so much FOMO. So if you are stressed or anxious, do less. Also in life, I took a break. Personally, I went on that six-week sabbatical and ended up staying for four months. That might not be possible for you, but you can declare a season of doing way less. We'll talk more about this in a future episode on how I create life seasons, but think about it like a maternity leave or training for a marathon. For three months, you're going to step down from serving on that team, get out one new product instead of two, not learn the piano right now, not pack a suitcase and go to the airport for anything. Whatever it is for you, you take a break to slow your life, your head, your internal motor down. And you keep your eye on the big picture, how the season is going to feel, how your life is going to feel, not be driven by FOMO or running at the same pace every day and week without asking yourself if you really have to. Likely you have more control over your life than you realize to say no to things, to create spaciousness, to slow down and take a break. Also in life, I worked on what I seek first. Meaning I worked on my mornings. So first I stopped checking my texts. I would literally put my hand over my screen so that I just don't see them when I go to turn off my alarm or see what time it is. I just realized that I was so often starting with work stress because at that time, this is a few years ago, my there were more fires on my team, and I likely would have a text or a slack, and before my have even hit the floor, I'm already in a panic that, what, that page went down, or what, we got this negative comment. I also stopped checking Instagram. This was years ago, but I realized that was the first thing I was rolling over in the morning and doing, which meant I was looking for validation or more often feeling failure and disappointment if I didn't have the likes or the comments or the engagement that I was hoping for. Before my feet had even hit the floor, I stopped listening to business podcasts, going to business right away. Instead, I'll listen to a sermon or something on mental health or the news, just not leaping right into business 24-7, which for me as a new entrepreneur for many years was the only headspace that I lived in so I did some something else that would be healthy for my body and now sometimes I do listen to business when I'm feeling inspired like launching this podcast I've been listening to so many more business podcasts, but it felt joyful and refreshing to me, not depleting and anxiety provoking We are in the midst of Lent right now and um, I I have a prayer journal that I started using which um, If you're not religious, that can simply be a gratitude journal, a goals journal. But I realized that I had failed for over two years at trying to use a read the Bible in a year app. It was something that I wanted to do was to be reading the Bible more often. And multiple friends were doing this. And so I kept trying to do it. But ye gads, if I failed at it for two years, then obviously I've built a successful business. I'm not just a miserable lump of a person. I can do hard things. So why am I failing at this? So I really decided to look at why. Well, I'm really tired when I wake up in the morning. Even though I get a good night of sleep, I am just not a morning person. It just takes me a while to wake up. So I need something more mindless to expect myself that the moment I open my eyes, I'm going to go into something deep and try to focus on it. I just needed to give myself permission to scroll through the news in the morning and just take those 10 minutes to slowly wake up instead of trying to right away accomplish something. Also, this journal, it's not a pass fail. When I was trying to do a calendar of reading the Bible in a year, you can see really clearly when you're getting behind. And so then when a day wouldn't go as planned or a week would get really busy. It would feel like, oh, now I've got to dig myself out of this hole. Here's one more thing I'm feeling guilty and failing about, my morning personal growth routine. But the idea of this journal that I use, by the way, it's from uh, Val Marie Paper, is it's just for the month. And there's just categories where you write things down and it just gives you some time to kind of go and focus and think about Who are the women in my life that want to conceive this year? Who are the 2020 babies that I'm praying for? What are the things I'm grateful for? So now I let myself wake up more slowly. I don't start my mornings, but I start my work day with more intention because I'm more awake by the time I actually get to the coffee shop and start working. And I'm less anxious about it because I can't fail. It can be shorter. It can be longer. Sometimes it's one minute as I'm looking at it. Sometimes it's 20 minutes as I really have time to write and reflect. But it took pressure off of Even having to review the whole thing every time. I had this prayer journal last year and I wasn't doing it because I set myself up with the idea that I need to sit down every day for 20 minutes and instead just realizing, no, I want to bring more joy into my life. I am creating the anxiety by these boxes that I'm forcing myself to try to check off. I just keep exploring what will make me feel peaceful and easy as I start my day. Next up is body. I considered what I was putting in my body. I went to a functional medicine doctor or a holistic health doctor would be another way to say that. We did my full blood work and saw where the deficiencies were, what vitamins or minerals was I depleted in, and I started taking supplements and eating cleaner. I'm saying this a lot in this episode, but that is also a longer pod on this topic one day. Obviously, I'm combining four years of experience here into just the first podcast to scratch the surface. But your anxiety, emotions, internal peace or rushing motor is intrinsically tied to your sleep, energy, vitamins, what you're putting in your body. In my case, I was deficient in B12 and magnesium, just as two examples. If you Google, Psychology Today says B12 deficiency can cause almost any psychiatric symptom from anxiety and panic to depression. And magnesium is an old home remedy for all that ails you, including anxiety, apathy, depression, insecurity, irritability, sulkiness, and stress causes us to waste our magnesium like crazy. So obviously, I'm not a doctor and I'm not telling you to simply start taking these supplements, but it's a great insight into the fact that Stress can deplete you from vitamins and minerals, or that depletion can lead to anxiety, which causes stress. So it can kind of be a chicken or the egg. But I found it powerful to start looking at anxiety less as just my emotions and more my body as a whole. And up next, I'm on a journey to healing my gut With that same doctor. I've read tons of articles about the connection between anxiety and our gut. So I'll share more about that journey if I have things to say about it as I go deeper in. I also took anxiety medication. And let me stop you before those of you who want to leave me a comment on Instagram or email me about this. No, thank you. I do not want your opinion that medication is bad or wrong. Here's my guideline. If you heard a stranger in front of you in line at Starbucks talking about an issue you disagreed with, would you chime in? No. You would not, I hope, tell that girl she shouldn't be taking medication for her depression because you don't know her. You're not a doctor, and even if you are a doctor, you aren't her doctor, so she hasn't asked you to give your two cents about her life. Therefore, you should also not comment on her or anyone else's Instagram. Because I did take anxiety medication and I would do it again because when you cannot get out of bed and function in your life and help exists, you should be free to decide for yourself if it's the right help for you. Work with the medical professional you trust and wean off them as soon as you can as you grow in strength and health in all these other ways. Again, I'm not a medical professional, but they were very helpful for a season. And what is not helpful is shaming people while they heal because you personally would choose to do it differently. End rant. I've also tried CBD gummies, lavender essential oil. Someone just recommended rescue remedy, so I ordered their gummies. Having all of these things in my purse at all times or around for bedtime that are homeopathic ways to calm have definitely been a blessing. I also considered what I did with my body. I really committed to a bedtime that was part of healing the adrenal fatigue I'd given myself was that I would get these rushes of energy late at night, and then I would be up too late, and then I would crash in the middle of the afternoon. So I really committed to that bedtime. Sometimes I still can't sleep or wake up in the middle of the night or wake up exhausted and can't explain why. My body isn't perfect. My sleep isn't perfect, though I am obsessed with sleep, guys, which I didn't realize until I met Jeremy. I am just constantly obsessed with, am I getting enough sleep? How can I sleep better? But I am definitely healthier since committing to that routine. I used to have work issues that would rile me up late at night where I couldn't sleep. So a few years ago, I set a rule that my team not text me after 8 p.m., These days, that's a non-issue, but at the time, with time zones and work fires, it was more common, and I just knew I have to have a time where I shut off from work so that my body can shut down. So maybe for you, that's just putting your phone on airplane mode or taking your notifications off or not checking your work email. I know for me that I need to read a novel before I go to sleep. If I don't read, I will lie there awake longer. If I try to read a nonfiction book. It will not put me to sleep as quickly, and sometimes I would get into a gap simply because I didn't have a next novel. I finished a book, and then my life would be busy, and I wouldn't have time to go buy or order another book, so simply having multiple novels on hand makes sure that I'm always able to stay in that good sleep rhythm. I plugged my phone in on the other side of the room. Um, exercise, that's definitely something that people talk about that you should do, and um, You won't be surprised if you've listened to the other podcast episodes. That's not something that I've done. (laughs) Um, I am trying to do that. um, But I share that because it's okay if what everyone else says isn't the first thing you try. Go for the things that do speak to you. I know that I am so resistant to this working out phrase that that's the last thing I wanted to try. So I focused on the things that work better. If meditation just sounds miserable to you, then do something else. If having to think about what you eat is super stressful, focus on one of the other areas. Next up was my mind. I got nerdy. I read and listened to everything I could get my hands on. Three months into that sabbatical, I knew I was creating what I call one-inch buffer. When you come back from lying on a beach, you're back into real life pretty quickly. And if all you've done is rest, you're going to go through that buffer quite quick when you're back. So... For a month by myself in Nice, France at the end, I researched everything I could, trying to figure out how can I go through more deep healing rather than just resting and getting away? How can I create a 10-inch buffer that's going to give me a lot more cushion when I came back? And the big takeaway for me is whatever angle you come at it from, brain science or neuro linguistic processing or the Bible or Tony Robbins motivational speaking, is that we have the power to change our brains. Again, future expanded episode here. But if you choose to believe me today, there is so much power you can choose to take a hold of for your life. You can control your brain, whether through visualization, gratitude, changing the story, the law of attraction, taking thoughts captive. They're all different words or techniques, but they're all saying the same thing. We're empowered over our brain and to retrain it to choose what we think about, and to shift how we feel about things. There's multiple ways that this can be said. Our mind affects our thoughts, which affects our actions. So if you want to change your actions, how you are quickly responding to something when you're anxious, you need to change your thoughts, which begins with changing your mind. It's also the phrase belief begets behavior. If you want to change your behavior, you need to go back and change your beliefs, which is in your mind. Or be, do, have. In order to have the life we want, we need to do the things to set us up for that success, which ultimately starts with being that person who is calm, aware, healthy, that again goes back to the mind. So read books, listen to podcasts, watch documentaries, read articles, listen to books on tape or TED Talks. I just realized who actually says listen to books on tape anymore. (laughs) They're called audiobooks. um, But my dad loves listening to books on tape. And he probably still calls them that from when they were actually tapes. Uh, But TED Talks, all of this is research that counts in your healing. And What I love about how broad I went is I explored things that I wasn't, weren't even necessarily in my wheelhouse. I watched the documentary, The Secret, which maybe seemed a little bit woo-woo, but ultimately I realized it was saying the same thing as all of these other things. So seek out what speaks to you and maybe even seek out what doesn't and realize that ultimately they are probably coming back to the same wise tenants. And it doesn't mean that it's going to change you in a day through one of these things, but Over time, I've found that it sinks in. It adds up. It starts to change your vision, your beliefs, make you feel empowered, and help you understand how to really move forward on this path towards healing. Also with my mind is I learned about my particular mind. I learned how my mind works. So I started going to therapy, which uh, I didn't think would help my business, which is why I put it off for so long. If you are a fellow entrepreneur or just really busy in whatever your career is, that felt like so much of my focus. It felt like my stress is coming because of work. So I need to focus more on work. Therapy is going to be about me, which would be a nice side thing, but I really got to focus on this work thing. Well, thankfully, I did end up going and it absolutely helped my work. Uh, I had so many things that I spoke with her about. It didn't matter that she didn't understand marketing plans or the dynamics of my team. She was still able to help me untangle the anxiety and the stress that was coming from work to make that a better part of my life. So I went to a talk therapist, and a common question is, how do you find one? Um... Initially, I had a therapist from a friend from years ago that I loved, but they were pretty far from my house. And so I kept putting off going because I didn't have time because I was so busy. So I realized that was a barrier that I was putting up, and I needed to find one that was walking distance from our apartment. So I looked up a couple, and I just basically went on a few first dates with therapists so that I could really kind of compare them and not just have one to say – was this good or not? But I could have a couple to say. Here's here's the one that I felt best with. I also did a specific kind of therapy called EMDR that was absolutely life changing. I highly recommend it. It was something that came on my radar. From multiple people, fellow influencers that struggle with anxiety had mentioned it. And then when we eloped, our cinematographer, his wife, does it. And then when I was really just in the depths of anxiety, I turned to one friend group. I sent one text message to four girls that I'm in a group with. And one of them replied, you have to go see Dr. Michaela. She does this thing called EMDR therapy. And I flew out to California, spent a week with her, and it was absolutely life-changing. I also have a psychiatrist. As I mentioned before, I've uh, done medication and I really loved my psychiatrist. I loved how uh, judicious she was on making sure that there wasn't too much medication and really creating a protocol for weaning off of it. And what you find from therapy, what I found from therapy, is that not everyone's mind works the same way yours does and i genuinely thought they all did of course it sounds silly when you say it out loud but when when i would express to jess my therapist that when i got anxious i would do xyz and then i would try to keep going and she would stop and say well wait so let's go back so why did you why did you ask that question why was this your response and it, to me it thought well, isn't that just how everyone would respond? Isn't that the obvious way? But no, it's actually not. When there's a uh, something that makes me anxious, I try to understand it. I try to problem solve. I try to fix it so that it won't happen again. I try to control it. But some people just notice it and sit with it. Some people ignore it. They don't want to think about it. I Not surprisingly, I'm going to overanalyze it and be in control. And that helped me to realize, no, this isn't the only option. This happens to be my tendency, but therefore I can shift it if my tendency actually isn't making me happy. And yes, there are things from your childhood, your stories. You need to learn about yourself in order to become your best self. And it isn't about being broken in some way, but it is how complex your head and your heart are. It is addicting to get in there and start to really better understand yourself. It makes you feel like a superhero that you can actually understand what's happening, start to shift it and control it and feel empowered instead of disempowered, which is what I felt so much of throughout anxiety. And then also in my mind, I learned my triggers so I could game plan around them. One simple example is I realized that summer I was on sabbatical that I was afraid of my computer because I was afraid there was going to be bad news. I didn't want to check my email. I didn't want to check Slack. I was afraid something else was going to have happened with my team or my company. It was going to be stressful. It was going to be bad news. And so I realized that I wanted to change that. And I would start smiling physically when I looked at my computer. And I would say, this is going to be great. And I just started to rewire this expectation that I had come to that, there was going to be bad news. For me now, it feels like sometimes I'm saying, on God, sir, I see what you're doing there and I am not going to fall for it. Not like a army battle, but more like a ladylike chess move. And for example, just two weeks ago, I had declared, um, I'd read back in that prayer journal that I was mentioning from a year ago and I realized I am feeling so peaceful from stepping down serving at my church a year ago. I'm able to recognize now that it was much more about trying to please man, to be liked and appreciated by the church leaders, than it actually was feeling called to it by God. And anyhow, then within the hour, I shared this with a friend, and then I get a text back that a friend needs help on a team at church. And I'm like, oh, well, I'll help from one week. For one week. And then they text back, yeah, the pastor doesn't want you to help. She was super upset about it. And I was like, nope, not today, Satan. Like, I see what you're doing. This is not about me. This is not a rejection of me. And it wasn't. There was a totally logical reason. And I could have so easily gone into major anxiety about a very tender spot about being disliked or judged or not valued if I hadn't done so much work healing that area over the last year, journaling it, sharing with friends, also that I would be clear enough to declare it and declare that I now understand that trigger. I understand that lie and I can now game plan around it and say, on God, sir, I see what you're doing and I will not fall for it. So find your patterns and propose options. I know that I'm at my worst when I respond immediately. When my anxiety is spiked, I'm going to say something that I regret. So walk away. Don't text back. Don't keep talking. Pattern interrupt. Stop the flow instead of where you're like, Ugh, this, this is going up the mountain, this roller coaster, and we're just going to keep going. Just stop the ride and get off. Um, move. I got a standing desk. I ride on big whiteboards. Sometimes I just need to get that energy out. I found that pattern that if I'm just sitting and still, the energy can kind of build more up and make me more anxious. So find the small things that trip you up in a big way and re-choreograph your life. And finally on mind, I worked on mindfulness. Back to exercise meditation hasn't really worked for me. I And I don't say it as though I tried really hard and it didn't work. I just mean I've tried and failed a bunch. I've said that this is something I was going to do and I never really stuck with it. But I think it can be finding the things that do work for you. And I'm sure that it would still be wonderful for me to explore meditation, but it just wasn't the thing that clicked with me in the moment. Something that did work much better for me was breathing. Just lying in bed and counting, you know, doing different breathing techniques of breathing in through your nose, holding it for a certain count, breathing out through your mouth, that was something that would physically calm my body. For me, it was prayer, which is very, can be very similar to meditation, but can just, again, be that different language, different perspective to really come at the same thing. So I got conscious lately, for example, how often I have fearful thoughts go through my mind that, um something will happen to Jeremy that he is going to get hit by a car and die on his bike on the way home and i realized that i could take that anxious thought captive and switch it to prayer or gratitude god i am so thankful for my husband who is strong and coordinated and coming home safely and that i could just take those little thoughts which is again what uh meditation is all about is taking those thoughts captive and looking for creative ways that that works for you, that focus on the breath, that's what meditation is. It's just that doing it with a specific meditation app at a specific time isn't as effective for me personally as I have a nervous stomach right now. I am lying in this bed. I'm going to focus on my breathing, which is meditation. It's just a different perspective and some different language. And then back to life, I fought my ego and journaled this is what happened last weekend. I got that anxiety and I didn't know why. I didn't know what was making me anxious. I remember we were uh, at a friend's cabin and Jeremy came came to bed. He'd been out skiing all day. And I said, I'm just feeling so anxious. He said, why? I was like, I don't know. Um, and But I, I wanted to get to the bottom of it. I knew at that point, we had to get up early the next morning. I didn't want to dive into it then, so I just kind of breathed through it and got to sleep and ignored it. But the next morning, I didn't let myself ignore it. So I wrote down, brain-dumped all the things that were making me anxious, and then I kind of categorized them. Okay, all of these things sort of have to do with this, and all of these are sort of this area over here. And then I asked myself, what can I do about each of these? And I mentioned that I had done this to my friend Jade, and she said, That would just stress me out, listing out everything that I'm anxious with. And I think for me, it's that ignoring it is what's giving it the power where I can't control it. I'm trying to put it out of my mind. I'm trying to ignore it and therefore it can continue to build. But if I stop trying to ignore it and look at it, then I can do something about it. So if I just listed out what's making me anxious, sure, that might not help. But the emphasis is that I then looked at what I could do about it. So some of them were little things. For example, I needed to decide if I was going on a certain trip with friends. Why was that floating around in my mind? Well, I was feeling guilty about not going. But then I was also feeling exhausted and I knew that I was going to be too much to say yes. I knew I really didn't want to add one more thing to my plate. But then I felt badly because I really do love these friends. So ultimately, I knew that I shouldn't go. I just hadn't told them yet. I just hadn't slowed down to put it in the forefront of my mind and say, you know you shouldn't go. You simply need to send the text. So by sitting there and journaling, I slowed down. It was the issue that I, in this case, I had done too little. I wasn't taking action on something I knew I needed to, and I just sent the text. And some of them were big things. There was a ton of bullets under one big project at work, so I immediately scheduled a meeting with someone on my team for that day to get organized. I shifted around my day and I realized if I don't have this meeting with her until Thursday and it's Monday, this is just going to weigh on me and it's going to make me less effective at everything that I'm doing. So I need to make this top priority. I need to focus my day on getting some things done so that I can clear up that space. I am not. I don't want to sit with this foreboding in my stomach until Thursday and keep putting it off. I need to deal with this today so that I can create that freedom in my body and my mind to go forward and be my best self. My One of my therapists, Dr. Michaela, said the ego always wants to appear normal. And I'm, again, not a clinician, but I'm curious if that's what's happening in these moments, that the ego is trying to ignore that this is happening, that we're stressed out, we can't make decisions, we're feeling guilty, whatever this is, let's just ignore it. And try to pretend that we are normal, we have it all together, we're totally on top of it. But ignoring it makes it worse. It's like, it's almost like there's little monkeys in there that can just create more and more chaos the longer that you let them sit behind closed doors. So, journal. Get honest with yourself about what is making you anxious and then take action. Take each one of those and break it down into what is the action step that I can do. And then go and do those things today as soon as possible, not putting them off because you have other priorities. The bottom line is you can control your brain, your body, you can control the speed of your life. It all starts with the belief that you can change which changes everything, which we'll talk about in next week's Your Welcome Wednesday episode, in which I have, get ready for it, people, the answer to all of your problems. I'm serious. This one's going to be so good. You're welcome in advance. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately are happy television shows. The more and more that I've healed my anxiety, the less ability I have and less desire to come home at the end of the night and watch something that is anxious or heavy. So I am constantly saying to Jeremy, can we watch something happy? A few of our favorites are The Office, a classic. We watched the entire series in our relationship. The Good Place with Kristen Bell and Ted Danson, very funny. Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, Highly recommend. It's Jerry Seinfeld and a comedian. It's so light. It's so happy. You can have it on in the background and it's always going to make you feel better. And Queer Eye. Guys, if you have not watched Queer Eye, you will laugh. You will cry. It is better than Cats. It is the most heartwarming show about how all Americans can come together. We have good hearts. We want to help each other. As a stylist, of course, I love seeing these women and men have these aha moments of how beautiful and confident they can be when they get some new clothes in their wardrobe, but it is truly so much deeper than that and so incredibly heartwarming. I would love to hear from you if you will come tell me on Instagram. Other happy shows, movies, documentaries to watch because we are always looking for more. And I would also love to hear from you what questions and topics you want to hear covered on this podcast. So head over to com slash pod VIP. That's my name, hillaryrushford.com, pod as in podcast, VIP as in you. You can leave me a voice memo right there, or you can email me one at hello at rushford.com, Put it in a text Click the button in my Instagram, but I want to know what else you want to talk about on this episode. And if you feel that this topic and sharing on anxiety would bless someone else, I would be so grateful if you would take just a moment right now while you're on your phone to give it a quick review, take a screenshot, and share it on your social media so we can bless some other folks with grace and gumption. Till next Wednesday.